1: Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm Aram Layton. He's Jack McMullen. And we've got a few different topics we want to talk about, both of which I feel like are going to be very exciting for the listener because everyone loves a top 100 list and everyone loves a big league call-up. We're going to talk about some prospects who could be entering the top 100 update. It's not going to be a full-on formal update that'll come closer to the midseason, but We got about 19, almost 20 prospects who will be graduating from the top 100 list. Jack was kind enough to go through the whole top 100 and, you know, help kind of figure out who's about to graduate, who is graduating. That's going to open up some spots. So we're going to talk about, you know, kind of peel back the curtain, talk about who we are considering for those spots based on the performance that we've seen and a few other things that will be involved there. And it's an opportunity to just highlight players who are playing at a top 100 level And then, of course, imminent big leaguers. Uh, We just saw Casey Schmidt make his debut. Want to unpack that a little bit as a guy that we've talked about on this show and a guest of this show in the past. Congratulations to Casey and his family. That home run was awesome. Uh, But, yeah, two great topics, Jack. It's it's hard to beat top 100. uh, And maybe the only way to beat top 100 is big league call ups because that tugs at the heartstrings a little bit, too
2: hundred percent um and these are the this is the last time you'll ever hear these names on this podcast they they graduate and they go into oblivion and we never yeah. speak to them again we forget they uh, exist but yeah so uh jordan walker anthony volpe grayson rodriguez brett Beatty, francisco alvarez logan o tristan casas ezekiel tovar zach Neto, oswald peraza hunter brown bryce terang josh young joey Weimer, oscar colas spencer steer james Altman, hayden Wisneski. Estheria Ruiz, that's 19 guys on the top 100 that have graduated at this point. So that means we got to fill 19 spots.
1: Hell yeah, brother. And that's honestly really exciting because I was I was almost hoping before the top 100 list came out that more players would graduate because I was having such a hard time of trying to like put the whole list together. Some of the guys that I think we would want to enter the list will probably graduate soon too, because I'm looking at the just missed from you know the 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 initial top 100 this year and like Logan Allen was like 103 Logan Allen the way he's pitched you know with the Guardians probably you know would be a top 100 guy obviously but we're going to put him in just to graduate him 2 days later like probably not going to happen also should note on the eminent big leaguers we got a pretty big em- imminent big leaguer with the Marlins and Yuri Perez um Marlins are calling him up on friday officially where he will make his big league debut at home which is insane at home against the reds it should be a it should be a big event it should be something that's very exciting i'm sure there'll be eight thousand people there um but that said for the prospectors out there for those who just love minor league baseball that love to watch young talent come up this is going to be pretty special because this is the youngest debut in marlins history for yuri perez This is also, uh, you know, something that I I don't want to like compare to Jose Fernandez. I don't want to like bring that conversation in. But there's something special about a 20 year old making his debut, uh, you know, in Miami after everything that happened with Jose to have Sandy performing the way he is, is awesome. But this also this homegrown talent here to just inject some life into this fan base. I mean, Yuri, I think is going to be a fan favorite, whether he's pitching to a two ERA or a three, five through his first year or so. Uh, And and I think this fan base really needed this. Uh, And this is a really exciting thing for the Marlins, because even if Yuri is pitching at a three something ERA, that's what they need right now. Johnny Cueto's out. Trevor Rogers is out. You know, they've been piecing it together. Even 70%, 60% of Yuri Perez's potential I think helps the Marlins right now, which says a lot about Yuri and a lot about their pitching situation.
2: For sure. Um, I saw this note from JJ Cooper, who does good work over at Baseball America. He's the editor-in-chief. This from JJ on Wednesday. At 20 years old and 27 days on Friday, Yuri Perez will become the youngest major league starting pitcher since Julio Urias made his debut in 2016. Only younger major league starting pitchers this century, so since 2000. Julio Arias, Felix Hernandez, Edwin Jackson. So this guy great is company. in rarefied air. Yeah, that's great company. <laughs> and like, uh, that's the thing. Julio Arias like you know, Cy Young candidate last year will be a Cy Young candidate for years to come. Felix Hernandez, owner of The Last Perfect Game, one of the great pitchers of this past generation. Edwin Jackson, you can shit on him all you want the guy played for a billion different major league teams. He kept on getting opportunity after opportunity. So he was doing something right. I, again, that is excellent. Excellent company.
1: I, yeah. I think his work at Uri's worst case scenario, if it's Edwin Jackson, like that's fine. That's 17 year, okay. big league pitcher who made an all-star appearance. Obviously the, the goal is much more than that. But the point being is those are all insanely talented, insanely talented pitchers. And then Jose Fernandez was, I think a few months older, when he made his debut for the Marlins too. And obviously, you know, that was, that was a big thing for that Marlins fan base. And then I'm trying to think of a few other like very, very young debuts, obviously on the offensive side, the Marlins also had a you know 20 something or 20 year old. And however many months, Miguel Cabrera, Coming up in 2003, something that really injected life into that team, obviously, uh, and and to that fan base as well. So this is, I think, the beginning of of a new kind of I don't want to say new era because he's not the ace. That's obviously Sandy. But I think it's a it's it's a emblematic of what the Marlins are trying to do here, which is, hey, if you can help us right now, you can come up. And I like it because, look, I think Yuri's going to struggle a little bit. I think he's going to have some great flashes. I think he's going to help this team when it's all said and done this year. But I do think that there is you know, some things that he needs to work on, specifically the fastball command. Uh, the changeup hasn't been there as consistently as it should be, you know, is what we're used to for him. Um, and, and, and if he's missing middle with the fastball, he's going to get hit a little bit. That said, uh, why waste the bullets in double A? Why even waste the bullets in AAA? I don't think that he's going to learn anything uh, in triple that he wouldn't learn in the big leagues under the tutelage of Mel Stoudemire Jr., one of the best pitching coaches in Major League Baseball, uh, Sandy Alcantara, who filmed a video to yeah. say, hey, welcome to the big leagues. I think you can see what kind of relationship they kind of created in big league camp this year. I've I've heard a lot about that. Um, you know he's able to work with the reigning Cy Young winner. He's able to work alongside Jesus Lizardo, even Edward Cabrera, who's battling his own issues. I'm sure that this is a very you know collaborative environment there, as we've talked about in the past. Uh, and then again, just having Mel Stottlemyre Jr. up close and personal. Why waste those bullets in double or triple A, having this guy carving up hitters when you know he can compete at the big league level, work through some things, uh, and and really have the best eyes on him.
2: Yeah. Hey, man, Sandy has a four and a half ERA at this point. I'm not sure he's the best. Keep mentor. him away. Yeah. Keep him away from Gary. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure he's the right guy to be taking that, taking that wonder under his wing. Um, no, I mean, like he could not be entering a better situation because he, he is part of a young and exciting rotation that is led by the unanimous Cy Young winner from a year ago that obviously is like the starter kit for what Yuri wants to do, right?
1: 100%. That's the coolest part, is it's like you have have the prototype right there.
2: So instead of, hey, this is how I do it, you can try a different way. Sandy can literally say, here's what I'm doing, try doing the same exact thing.
1: Yep. And even if you do like, 60, 70% 60, 70% of it. You're in great shape because you're an all-star I'll say this. I wonder if Sandy would say this too. Like, I, I'm very curious. I'm, I am I bet we'll get the quote at some point because some, someone will ask him about it. But it, it, I don't even think you can debate this because I watched Sandy Alcantara get sent back down to the minor leagues when he was 22, 23 years old. Yuri Perez is way ahead of where Sandy was. And this doesn't mean he's going to be better, but th- this is an important point. He's way ahead of where Sandy was. He's also taller. He also th- like throws harder at this stage of his career, and his command is better. Like he has more offerings. Like he is way further ahead than Sandy Alcantara was at this point in his career, and even a year or two uh, into this. So like, it doesn't mean that he's going to be better, but it does mean that I think he's going to translate to big league at least success in a moderate degree quicker. Um, and, and I do think that this is going to kind of help him. You know springboard a bit quicker cuz Sandy went through a lot of, of command issues figuring out his arsenal like this this final product here took some tinkering some trial and error pitch usage uh command a lot of different things that he had to work through uh to to kind of figure out what works best and now Yuri can kind of look at that and say oh all right that didn't work for you and well, might not work for me either and and kind of skip a lot of the the learning curve maybe that comes with the territory of the major leagues
2: yeah, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, it is kind of true. The, the toughest road is, is the one that takes it first, right? Mm-hmm. So like Sandy's taken this road. It's like a younger sibling. I mean, you honestly have to view it like that. Mm-hmm. You learn shit from your older brother or older. Sister. Oh, yeah. I mean, I watch my
1: sister do stuff and get in trouble. I'm like, not doing that. Not
2: going to do that. It's, yeah. it's literally like you are armed with more information than they were at that moment. And, and I think that Sandy is going to help arm Yuri Perez with more information to try and get hitters out than he had at any point in the early goings of his big league career.
1: And set a standard on working, too, because that guy, Sandy, works harder than anybody. I mean, ever.
2: he's carved like a Greek God. It's Dude. like, hey, Yuri, if you're on the cover of a GQ magazine, you're you're doing it right.
1: I, I didn't know how how different he was in terms of the work ethic until I started covering Marlins games, you know, and you got to get there at, at two or three and you got to leave after. And like that dude's working. He's the first one on the field. Cliche again. And the last one to go like he really is, though. Uh, yes. and, and it doesn't happen overnight to, to have that success. So congratulations to Yuri Perez. I can't wait to watch. If he's if his fastball gets smoked a little bit in the first couple of games, who cares? Breathe. Slam It'll the panic button. No, I care. <laughs> Slam this the panic button. I think, but for those that are going to be watching, some things to watch, fastball location, change up command. Slider's been there for him all year. He's spotting that east and west, no problem. What hasn't been there for him as much is, Locating that fastball when it's at the top of the zone, no one's hitting it. When he tugs it down, it can get hit, and then change up hasn't been as consistent. If those two things are there, you'll get the version of Yuri that we have been sold on. Uh, if it's not there, we might have some growing pains
2: and it'll come. So, Yuri at this point, in six starts, has thrown 31 innings. He's got a 2 3 ERA, he's punching out 12.2 per nine, he's walking two and a half per nine. And he's got a whip right around 0.8. So, you know, even with, you know, fastball command not being entirely there, I still feel great about him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: like that's that's the downside right now. I had some questions about like, oh, you know, with the Southern League tacked balls, which is a great question. You know, do you think that it might be kind of helping him a little bit? Like, how ready is he? I looked at the data. He wasn't a guy that really benefited that much from it because his data was already ridiculous. Like how much more ridiculous can, can you be with the fastball? Right. And I will say like we saw hit by pitches were up. There's some areas where guys have been negatively impacted because the baseball is different. Different always doesn't always mean better. Even though some guys prefer tact, other guys have become accustomed to, you know, not throwing with that ball. Yuri already had pretty much plus command changing the baseball. It's like kind of the same conversation of if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like his command couldn't have got much better. So I almost think it may have adversely affected him in some ways. I saw, we saw the changeup affected, which is a feel pitch and his feel pitch has been adversely affected. So I don't know if, I don't know if it really helped him. If anything, it might've hurt him to have that pre tacked ball in some ways. So, you know, I, I'm not too worried about it. And again, the fastball data was pretty much identical. Some guys have very much benefited from it, other guys, not as much. I don't think Yuri really benefited too much from the tax baseball.
2: You know what I want the answer to, like, and it, and it's a very unique question, and I'm not sure how to go about getting this answer. But I guess you would have to talk to his pitching coach in Pensacola. Hey, in his bullpens between starts, what kind of baseball is he using?
1: Yeah, I'd assume he was using the tax ball, man.
2: I, I'd assume. So I, I mean, like, I'm not too concerned, but you got to think about. You know, making this jump from tacked ball for his first six starts and however many bullpens to going to the big league ball, maybe the feel could be different. Yeah. Like it's well, not... that's
1: true because we're we're not going to see. That's a great point. This might be the only guy who debuts straight from the Southern League. Andrew Abbott, we, we we he gets to make some starts in AAA. Ben Brown gets to make some starts in AAA. Who is spectacular, by the way? Yeah, as well. awesome.
2: Um, I'll see him next week. I
1: can't wait. Um. That's a great point because there is like nobody else is really making that double-A to big league jump pitching wise from that ball to the, and and the other interesting thing is I've seen a few other GMs, including Jed Hoyer speak about this and said, that's why we kind of wanted to get Brown up there quick to triple-A because we we wanted to kind of get him away from that ball and get him thrown with, with the different baseball. So that is the only
2: thing I am concerned about is, is the change there. Dude, if executives don't want their top prospects playing with that ball. Shouldn't you get rid of the freaking ball? Oh dude,
1: don't get me. Like it, it, when I heard Jed Hoyer talking about that, I will never, we have like the, the double TVs in my apartment. Cause I have two roommates and um, they aren't the biggest baseball fans. So, Well, the second I had some disposable income, I bought the cheapest TV I could and we threw it on top of that. So I wouldn't feel bad about putting baseball on. We usually put the basketball volume on the bottom if there's like a playoff game right now. And I literally when I saw Jed Hoyer was on and they were talking about Ben Brown, I was like, sorry, guys, we're muting that bottom TV. I got to hear what he says about this stupid baseball because I knew it was going to come up. And that was what he talked about. So I I, I turned that volume all the way up. And I was like, when Jed Hoyer is saying like, yeah, kind of we want to get him out of there, like. That I had like my fists clenched. I'm just like, this is so stupid. so stupid. Um, but another debut, real quick, before we get into you know some of these top 100 names and then wrap up with some other imminent big leaguers. Casey Schmidt, uh, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you probably scooped up some of his cards, uh, and you've probably scooped him up on your fantasy team. Casey Schmidt gets the call up for the San Francisco Giants, and man, is he off to a great, 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 great start. Uh, pair of multi hit games to get going and. Jack, he didn't start at third base. He made his first two big league starts at shortstop. And again, if you listen to this podcast, we told you he could do that. Uh, but I didn't think he would do it to start his big league career. No way. I, I thought maybe they'd move him around. He, you know, he'd start a Sunday game at short when they give somebody a day off or whatever it is. No, Casey Schmidt makes his first two big league starts at shortstop and doesn't commit an error, makes seven put outs, and just, just looks great. Uh, I mean, he is, like we've said, an elite third baseman and a great shortstop. But a testament to this dude, how often do you see a guy play third base his whole life and then play a little bit of short in an emergency? And they're like, Whoa, this guy's pretty good. And then all of a sudden they throw you full time into short. Well, I wouldn't say full time, basically split, but it became almost full time at short in triple a like, Hey, you look pretty good at short. You want to do it one step from the big leagues. And he did that for 20 games this year. Didn't commit a single error in AAA in those 20 games, what, having never played shortstop really prior, besides the, the throw him to the fire thing they did last year when Marco Luciano was out. This guy is special with the glove. And oh yeah, he homers in his first ball game. Unbelievable call, by the way, as well, which I knew you could appreciate on, on the Kuiper. Casey Schmidt homer. It was Kuyper. Yeah, it was awesome. Casey Schmidt's dad's jumping up and down with, I think, his grandson. Uh, not Casey's kid, I believe it's uh it would be Casey's. Uh, son-in-law or what I mean excuse me what would uh, nephew, nephew nephew I'm so bad with the family tree nephew um but it was so awesome 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 moment and uh you got the iPad up what's what are we looking at
2: I've got the iPad because I want to show you his baseball reference page for a moment on YouTube do you see what position Casey Schmidt plays for the San it Francisco just says Giants? shortstop it just says shortstop because it logs major league appearances so Casey Schmidt in the eyes of baseball reference right now if you went to his page is a major league shortstop. He's not a third baseman. He's a shortstop. Uh, That'll change very soon. But again, a a testament to this guy. There are certain individuals who are not phased by moving. Um, I think Casey Schmidt is one of those. I think you're going to see one of them with the Pirates. Remind me to circle back uh, to Jared Triolo at the end of this Mm -hmm. episode when we talk about imminent big leaguers. But there are certain guys that are just so ridiculously good defensively that it doesn't matter where they are. Fernando Tatis Jr. just logged the hardest throw from the outfield on a put out uh, in right the other day. He's disgusting um, out there, by the way. His, he looks great. <laughs> he looks excellent. Jazz Chisholm has, a, I mean, he has turned into like a good defensive center fielder already. It took six weeks, but here he is. He went from a liability to a good one. You saw a young Manny Machado, right? He could play short. He could play third. Now he's one of the best third basemen in the game. I'm saying defensively. I'm not saying that Casey Schmidt's a superstar like those guys, but I'm saying defensively, his heart rate doesn't quicken when he's in into a quote-unquote uncomfortable situation. No situation for him defensively is uncomfortable because he's so good defensively. He's yeah. set such a high standard for himself that he's not phased by a new thing. Hey man, you're a third baseman. Go play shortstop in your major league debut. No fucking problem.
1: And that doesn't blink. And and it's, it's in the preparation. He has one of the most meticulous uh, pregame preparations I've ever seen when it comes to fielding. Um, And I think that's what gives him so much confidence. We always talk about, Oh, is he going to stick it short or is he going to move to third? I've never heard of, Oh, is he going to stick it third or is he going to move to short? Like that's a Testament to Casey again, One thing on the power side, you didn't see too much of it in in the PCL, which was interesting because Casey's a guy that has above average power. I'd say it's, you know, 50 to 55 grade. It's slightly above average, but you'd expect that to really play up in the PCL. That wasn't the case for Casey. Um, And I think that kind of negatively impacted the WRC plus because that league is just a a springboard for anybody with, with average or slightly above average power to put up you know, plus power numbers. So if you don't, you kind of get negatively impacted in the WRC plus department. I think we saw the above average power with Schmidt's first home run. It was 104 and it was to the deepest part of the ballpark. Like this guy can leave any yard. He's got enough power. His 90th percentile exit velocity is 105 miles an hour. And he was sitting over 300. I think this was a guy that, you know, didn't want to get too lost in the power. Just wanted to hit the ball and knew that if I put the ball in play, if I hit for average, if I get on base, he, he should walk more to be honest. But if yeah. I hit the ball consistently, I'm going to get to the big leagues and the power will kind of take care of itself. And I think that's exactly what he did. And I think we're starting to see like the power is there. He's a little aggressive and that's something to monitor. He swings a lot. 57% swing rate is, is too high. I think that's why he's not walking as much, but those are things that whole work through. And I think in the big leagues, like that'll continue to get better for him. Uh, smart player. Awesome. Dude. Uh, Family is awesome. By the way, too, when I broadcasted for the Kettleers. Uh, his dad, every time he was in town, would come into the booth and thank us for broadcasting the games uh, because of how much it, it was an enjoy, like how much joy it brought him to be able to watch his son. I'm like, we're just doing our job. But every single time he came into town would come up and thank us. It's just like and you could tell he like truly meant it. And it's just like people don't do that. Like that. It, it's just a testament to, to the Schmidt family. I'm a big Casey fan as a baseball player. Big fan of him as a person. And, and you know, I'm, I'm rooting for this guy every stop of the way, but that's not why we pushed him up so hard. It's because he's a damn good player, too.
2: Yeah. What I mean, 2019 could do it. You probably saw 40, 45 players come through with like temporary and permanent guys, maybe yeah. 40. Yeah. So, like, same thing 2018 in Brewster. And, you know, say, say 45, right? There were 45 guys that came through that roster at any point. Um, chances are their family was coming out to the Cape because it's a great, you know, vacation destination. And, hey, your kid's playing out in the best college summer league in the world. Um, Forty-five guys, I heard it from two parents. I, I heard two thank yous, Reed Detmers and Gage Workman's parents. Those were the <laughs> two. Um, so I, I love that Casey Schmidt is is in that group because you remember that as, like, somebody that's around Dude, these guys all the time. Like, you, you – you know, obviously we love doing it, but like you do do a service for them. Like yeah. it, it is good. So you appreciate guys that are down to earth and appreciative of what you do, especially in this type of role, because they know that their reach can be amplified by, you know, being nice to to the people that have the ability to amplify.
1: hundred percent. And, you know, I think the Giants needed this injection of life as well. Some more middling team needs some 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 youth movement. Casey's going to bring that. This is an old team. They need that youth movement. And Casey, I think, is, you know, an injection of life offensively, but also, you know, is going to bring a lot to the table and on the defensive side.
2: One last point on the offensive profile. You know, you mentioned the WRC plus left a little bit to be desired here. Um, If you were to simplify the PCL, look at all of them as Coors Field. Yes, like thin air ball travels, but also think about spacious outfield. A lot of base hits fall. Guess what San Francisco is? Spacious outfield, cavernous alleyways. Casey Schmidt, while the WRC plus was a little bit lower than maybe we were anticipating. The guy hit 313. Like he capitalized on a spacious outfield. I do think he's going to capitalize on a spacious outfield in San Francisco. I, I
1: totally agree. There's a dude that's going to throw his hands, shoot the ball the other way. He's going to find the, the little dinks and dunks too, which is just great. They, they didn't bring him up to hit 30. You know, they didn't bring him up to, to be leading them as the power bat. They brought him up to play great defense and put the ball in play and he will still run into some home runs. So really pumped about Casey. Let's talk about some imminent top 100 guys and, and kind of just, I think what the, the cool thing about this is I always feel like the the top 100 list, it's always this big secret. And it's always this thing that, you know, Oh, like we don't want to tell anybody what we're going to do here. And then we're going to unveil it and it's going to really hit everybody hard. And I do like the, the suspense that comes with that but the more i've thought about it i'm like i kind of want to peel back the curtain here and you know allow our listeners who you know sign up to listen to us rant about prospects all the time to have a little bit of a clue of what the process is right now and obviously there's a lot of things that are going on uh in terms of conversations i'm having i can't share everything that i hear and everything that i'm able to dig up all the time but I feel like we can talk about some of the, you know, tough deliberations that have to come with it. Uh, some of the things that I have to you know try to sort through as we sift through dozens and dozens and dozens of names for these you know top 100 spots. And I just want to like we're still in the preliminary process of like continuing to iron out some of the names that are going to tap into this top 100 list. But I just want to talk about the guys that are playing so well. That we don't have a choice but to consider them, and I figured there's nobody better, and we didn't even talk about him on text, but I feel like we have to talk about him to start off. There's nobody better than a guy that's been on our top 100 list in the past, kind of got passed over because of all of the the youth talent coming up in the recent draft, but now is forcing himself back on. It's Mark Vientos of the Mets, and and I wanted to talk about Vientos with you because he's a really interesting case. We use I we throw around prospect fatigue all the time. Here's another classic candidate of that. He's 23, Jack, and a young 23. Like he's closer to 23 than he is 24. Um and and just going off in Triple A. Probably could help the Mets right now given their DH situation, yet you know, he's probably not going to get the call. In Triple A right now, 33 games, he's hitting 353 444 714. It's an 1158 OPS. He's striking out 20% of the time, which is the lowest clip of his career. He's walking 13% of the time. Uh, zone contact is 78%. Like that'll play when you're hitting the ball as hard as he does. 110 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity. Chase rate might be the lowest of his career. He looks fantastic, Jack. I got to do a defense dive, but he's been playing a lot of third base for what that's worth. They're uh, not just saying, hey, just play first and mash. He's playing third. I'll have yep. to dig into the video. I admittedly have not done that yet, but the bat, it's hard to deny 11 home runs through 33 games, and none of them are cheap. This dude hits the crap out of the ball to all fields. And at 23, like if he was 24, 25, I don't know if we're considering him as seriously, but he's playing third and he's 23. Uh, It's similar to the Ronnie Mauricio situation where it's like you can't deny the offensive uh, production and he's still young.
2: Yeah, um, Viento is pretty much even split so far this year. Last year, for the most part, he was a third baseman, right? He played about 250 more innings at third than he did at first. Uh, it's been dead even at this point. 131 innings at third, 127 at first. So it's like, hey, you're at third one day, you're at first the other day. Um, he's absolutely a top 100 guy. I'm thinking, does he graduate? A- and he's about 30 plate appearances shy of graduating. I don't think the answer is yes right now, because the Mets, for some reason, like want to keep on giving all these dudes auditions. And and I love that Beatty is up as the third baseman. But like first base, obviously, there's no space with Alonzo. But DH, I mean, they're they're going with, you know, this weird like piece it together thing like Vogelbach is still kicking around there. Like, I don't know. I huge fan of Dan Vogelbach. But, you know, if you got a DFA him to get Vientos in that role, like do it at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would love to see him up there. This is a different Vientos, I think, too, that we saw from last year when they brought him up, who was swinging it well, but not to this degree. And the approach I don't think was as good. I think he got a taste last year, figured it out a little bit, like what wasn't right, what, what he was struggling with. And I think this puts him in a spot here where I would absolutely like to see him up. Uh, As soon as possible, but I don't think he will be up that soon, which is the funny part about it. He could be a phenomenal trade chip as well, which is I'm very fascinated to see how the Mets want to approach this. I think they got to look at, you know, Mauricio, look at Vientos. I think the defensive ability of Mauricio kind of allows them to to feel more comfortable in holding on to him. Um, but I would say that the bad of Vientos is a little bit more trustworthy. So it's a really interesting decision that they will have to make if they do want to make a trade. I assume they're not going to trade from you know any of the recent draftees unless it's a, 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 something really special there uh, right. that they can do, like to go get a you know a, an Edwin Diaz or something like that, like they did with Kalenick, uh and a Robinson canell for whatever that's worth. Uh, right. But yeah, I, I'm very interested to see how they maneuver here. But I, I will say this: if Vientos does get traded that's a guy that will help that will go straight to a big league lineup immediately. If he's oh, straight yeah. to a, presumably a rebuilding team, I could list, I did it with the Orioles the other day uh, and Jordan Westberg. I listed all the teams that Jordan Westberg could probably start on, or at least get significant at bats on right now. And I yeah. think it's like half the league. Um, I, I think Mark Vientos is in a similar territory, probably not as many like eight to 10 teams though, right now where Mark Vientos is probably getting regular at bats. Yeah. Next guy is someone that we both texted each other on. So I feel like we have to hit on him, you know, almost off the top. Dalton rushing of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, This was a just missed guy. And when we did the Dodgers system, we talked about him a lot. Rushing is an awesome, awesome, awesome bat. Excuse me. Someone that I just love to watch do his thing. Low swing rate, great swing decisions, good amount of contact, great approach. Uh, and hits the ball hard Pull side powers. Plus it's, it is a little pull dependent, but he has the ability to hit the ball to all fields. Uh, when, when he needs to, uh, when he's leveraging his hitters counts, it's pull side. He hits the ball in the air a ton. It's really hard to uh, you know, invalidate what, what rushing's doing offensively. I do wonder if he's going to stick behind the dish. I do think that the, Dodgers see a lot more value in the stick, and that's why he's he's kind of been DHing more than he's been catching. It's been kind of an even split between DH and catch, uh, and playing a little first base as well. That said, this this is a top one hundred bat.
2: Yes, I think the Dodgers have a catching surplus at this point, so they can trade a serious top one hundred catcher for major league help at the deadline. What does that major league help look like? I'm not too sure. Hey, maybe it's a shortstop. Maybe like maybe Dalton Rushing goes to Chicago for Tim Anderson. If you, <laughs> you think about like that, wouldn't you? I would love that. Yeah. I would I would love Cartaya for Tim Anderson, but Rushing is more uh, certainly a more acceptable for the Dodger fan base. Yeah. Rushing, he's hitting 280, but I mean the walk rate's insane. The walk rate's over 20%. He's got a 462 OBP. I mean, this guy is he's he's taking it is the um, it's the best version of, I guess, what we talk about with Julian, right? Offensively, where he's going to punch out a little bit, but he's never going to swing the bat. And when he does, he's going to do serious damage like that's yep. what he's done in high A. This guy at 22 years old looks like he's primed for a jump to double.
1: His professional numbers overall must be absurd because what he did in low A last year Was even more ridiculous.
2: Um, So this guy in 55 minor league games hitting 349 with an 1171 OPS. He's got a 494 OBP, 55 games, 50 driven in 50 walks, 51 punch outs in 55 games.
1: Yeah, that's insane. (laughs) So defensive home is a question. And, and I do want to see that. I, I do think that, you know, the log jam a little bit in the org of, of catching, you know, depth is a part of the reason why he's not catching as much. Cause I don't think they'd just move him off that quick, but I also do think that they drafted him because of how much they liked the bat. So it's going to be interesting to see. And, and you know, the lack of clarity defensively does cloud the, the prospect shine a tad, but when you have this kind of bat and he is a good athlete overall, um, I, I think this is a guy that's going to be flying up prospect just pr- pretty soon, uh, and probably will enter our top 100 list. Right? And has a very, 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 very strong case uh, right now. And, and I don't know if we'll be able to find 20 names more more worthy than Dalton Rushing right now. Yep. We have a few other like I, I know that you sent a couple different names before saying good night. Um, I I, I want to go to Ty Madden because Ty Madden is somebody that just I think yesterday turned turned out like a really, really solid start. I, I don't know if I have the app the oh I do, I do have the numbers now in terms of like his velocity. His velocity's been up overall. Um you know we saw him in the mid to upper nineties at points at Texas. It's been a little bit up and down. Now and I should say Tigers prospect, by the way. Um yep. now sitting mid to uppers again and with life and and it's really taken off and his command has been really solid overall. Uh, you, you pitched time at, I might've, I might've overlooked him. So I, I'll leave it to you. And then I'll kind of fill in the blanks. Uh, why, why was time Madden a name that you wanted to, obviously, because he's performing, but why specifically that, you know, you wanted to hit on time Madden?
2: Yeah. I mean, this guy's a 23 year old in double, like, I, I feel like the tigers have swung and missed at a bunch of pitching prospects at this point, right? Like Mize was one, one Mize is hurt. He didn't look like the Mize that I think they were promised um, you've got Matt Manning. He didn't look like the Matt Manning that they were hoping would, uh, Tarek Skubel worked out, but again, he's hurt. Alex Fieto didn't look like, you know, they were hoping Alex Fieto would Reese Olson is struggling a good bit and triple here yeah. at the starts. So I'm thinking, all right, maybe the last toe, obviously you've got Job, but Ty Madden feels like the safest bet at this point. And this guy has flown under the radar to have a really good start to his minor league career. First 32 starts in the minor leagues. He's got an ERA under three he's punching out over 10 per nine. He's walking under three per nine. So this guy has been steady. He was steady in high a last year, had a low threes. He was steady in double a for seven starts last year. He had a high twos and now he's got a low twos through six starts in double. I think this guy's ready to jump to triple and he may be the one that sneaky becomes the most reliable for the tigers.
1: And you know, what stands out to me with him is you know, we always say like we 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 like our our pitchers smart and our hitters dumb, and that's always yeah. a joke. There's some really smart hitters that you know. Right. Most of these guys are smart, but uh, the, the 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 reason behind it is, you know, pitching. The more inquisitive you are, the more you think, the more you can you you know mix and match and use things to your advantage. That's why we see pitchers, even some of the best, calling their own pitches. With sure. hitters, you don't want to overthink because it's already so hard and all the odds are stacked against you. Uh, but with Ty Madden, I, I've heard that this guy is just so inquisitive, like a super deep thinkers, always trying to maximize his arsenal, always open to you know conversations about how we can get better. And, um, you know, I think you've kind of seen that because he does continue to get better. He's tweaked his slider a little bit, and he is just dotting it this year. Jack, 70 percent strike rate on the slider. And it has just been really unhittable because it's a really good pitch. But now he's commanding the heck out of it. East, west, uh, even sometimes burying it at the perfect spots. Uh, When the fastball is mid 90s and you can spot that slider, you're going to have success. But the changeup has made a huge improvement for him as well. He's landing that more than 60 percent of the time for a strike. He only mixes that in about 10 percent, but that gives him a look for lefties. I think this guy's starting to figure himself out. And and with a mid-90s fastball that can, you know, flirt with 97, 98, sometimes 99, that slider and a, and a fine changeup. He he screams middle rotation arm to me with, with the floor of like a four. With, with the way that this arsenal and the command looks, big body, he's 6'3", 215, and you've got the, you know, the ability between the ears to to continue adjusting. If you do hit a snag and to me, I I'd, I'd put a lot of stock in this guy being a big league arm, whether it's a four or a three, we'll find out, but hell man, if I feel confident about a guy being a four, that's a top 100 prospect.
2: hundred percent. And I want to see this guy get, get the bump to triple very soon. Um, and with somebody like Ty Madden, like he has not struggled. He didn't struggle at Texas. He hasn't struggled in the minor leagues. Like, I want to see him pushed to the point where he struggles, because, again, you mentioned how inquisitive he is, like how bright of a guy he is. He knows that, like, struggles are inevitable. I'm sure that he can get over the struggles quicker than some other guys who may wear it a little bit more, and and that'll be really beneficial. And, hey, you know what? If the struggles come at the big league level— Tigers aren't winning anything this year. Don't worry about it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and speaking of the struggles, Wilmer Flores, who I think a lot of people had pegged ahead of him, like an eight. He's got, yeah, I think it's now down to a seven one seven ERA in double a right now. So time out and leapfrogging him. And I'm not saying like Wilmer's cooked, but you know, he's got some things he's got to work through. Um, Madden's a guy that you know I think has a really strong case here to to enter our top 100 list as we continue to you know flesh this all out. So I, I'm excited about him. I, I I love the college arms that you know seem to just kind of fly through the minors quickly, and you can feel pretty safe about it, and not not really lose sleep about those kind of guys. And and I think the Tigers needed that really badly in their organization as you kind of set the scene with with some of the arms that they've drafted in the past. Another name that you pitched that I I've been hearing more and more questions about, so I was excited to to break him down, uh, is Robbie Snelling, left-hander in that Padres organization. And man, the Padres can draft. Man, the Padre, like you can say what you want about AJ Prowler. I think the reason why he is so quick to make these trades is he, that guy's got so much confidence in his organization's ability to draft. I'm not going to give him all the credit, but you know, as a GM, it's, it's knowing who to lean on and, and, and who to entrust. And obviously he trusts whoever helps him and, and his team make these draft decisions because they do a great job. They're rarely picking very early. And a lot of the guys that they get late in the first or overslot in later rounds are fantastic. And I think, you know, Robbie Snelling has been kind of an example of another nice draft. So it's early, but I like what I've seen so far. And it seems like this was another one where, you know, we look back and say, oh, yeah, he was taking at 39th overall out of high school. Uh, man, when we do a redraft, he might go earlier if he continues looking the way he has looked because he has been lights out so far in low A. Again, it's just low A, but he looks a lot different than your typical high school lefty.
2: That's the thing, like hitter friendly environment in Elsinore, and he is not allowing hits at all. 21 innings, 10 hits against two earned runs. It's a 0.86 ERA. So honestly, it's just the numbers that jumped out to me with Robbie Snelling. Um, I don't know much about Robbie Snelling, but what I do see, I like on the stat sheet, which is really interesting. And that's exactly where my mind went. Ah, crap. Preller did it again. Here we go. He's got more draft cap, or he's got more trade capital.
1: It's unbelievable. And so Snelling, I'll kind of set the scene for you. And then you can tell me if you like it or not. Well, first of all, he's three and zero through his first five starts with a 0.86 ERA, 21 innings, 26 Ks. You <laughs> mentioned the 10 hits. Basketball is already at 93 sitting 93, which I, I think is really impressive because a lot of times these high school lefties get drafted and they're closer to 90, 91. Um, and, and, you know, like Frank Masakato, we'll talk about him as well as a really impressive arm, but he, he, you know, has 22 inches of induced vertical break. So it's fine, but Snelling, it's around 18, 19, 19 and a half, 20 inches of induced vertical break at 93 miles an hour. That's why he's not giving up much contact. That's one of the best fastballs guys at this lower level. will see. And definitely one of the best that they'll see from a left-handed pitcher. The other thing that stands out to me with Snelling is he's way more polished than I think. Oh, and I think he was viewed as one of the more polished left-handed pitchers in that draft But still, I think a lot more polished than people would have expected as a 6'3 lefty that's 19 years old, 64% strike rate across his arsenal, and it's pretty even from the fastball curve change, Um, and he sprinkled in a slider a little bit. Fastball average is 93, curve average is around 81, changeup average is 85, 86, and he's landing all of those for strikes. Uh, I kind of like the change so far a little bit more than than the curveball from what I've seen. I haven't watched enough. Like you said, there's definitely only been so much that we can see. But the mechanics are pretty sound. He looks like a very athletic pitcher. And if he's already pounding the strike zone with three solid pitches like this, this is a name to watch because I think he's going to fly pretty quickly.
2: Here's one for you. Uh, Robbie Snelling. He's a big guy. Six, three, two, ten. Yep. So I was thinking, all right, like, you know, is he is he physically advanced? He's strong as hell. So I went Googling on Robbie Snelling literally just now. He got offers as a linebacker from Arizona, Oregon, Arizona State, Auburn, Cal, Michigan, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Ole Miss, Oregon State, Penn State, San Diego State, Stanford, Texas, Tulane, UCLA, UNLV, Utah, Vandy, Virginia, Wazoo. He was a power five linebacker and a good one. LSU, according to 247, was the favorite to land Robbie Snelling oh as a gosh. linebacker. So that explains the athletic pitcher I saw. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness.
1: Okay. Well, there you go. Um, physically advanced, athletically, knows his body really well. And that's how you have a high school left to you, pounds three pitches in the strike zone. Um, wow. That I don't know how I missed that. That is pretty crazy. <laughs> Another lefty college lefty, but, you know, had some murkiness around his uh, draft status with a suspension and whatever came with it. Uh, But Carson Wisenhunt giants guy looks like he could be a steal. And, and, you know, this is one of those situations where, you know, another left-handed pitcher that when, when you have some murkiness to a draft profile, sometimes you can take those guys and it blows up in your face. Sometimes you take those guys and you pull off a heist. And it looks like Wisenhunt is going to be closer to the ladder. Um, fastball is is a 2,400 RPM pitch that sits 94 up to 96, 97. Uh, and, and it just gets on hitters quickly. He is another one of those just smooth mechanics, looks really comfortable and it's pretty hard to deny the results so far from Wisenhunt. If it weren't for all of what came with his, you know, all of the extracurriculars with his draft profile and, and that suspension, he probably would have been a top 15 pick. He falls a little bit because of all of that. And, um, so far has really been fantastic. has been dominating lower level hitters. It is worth noting, though, he is a college arm, so he should be dominating these hitters, or at least should be, you know, have the advantage to a degree. But that said, he's still been really, really impressive.
2: So just to shed some light on the Carson Wisenhunt thing, it wasn't horse tranquilizer into his butt. He apparently tested positive for a a chemical in a supplement that he got at GNC. He purchased a, a workout supplement at GNC and he got suspended what it ended for up that. Being? So that what? is, that's the shortcoming of the NCAA. Like there, there's a difference between what can, what you can purchase without an ID fully legally. Like it's almost like creatine. Like if you, if you tested positive for creatine, that's what happened to him. So it, it sucks. Like that's the burden of the NCAA. And now this guy has a quote unquote tainted name, but he was awesome at ECU. He's been awesome in the minor league so far. There's nothing not to like about this if you can get over the narrative.
1: Yeah, and I think he can. I mean, look, he, you can talk about the narrative as long as you want, but when you throw m- mid-90s from the left side with a plus changeup which changeup might be plus plus. Like that's the craziest part. His changeup is is that bugs bunny just just disappears. But on top of that, 75% Strike rate on the J and a 40% swinging strike rate. No one's touching it. Opponents are three for 30 with a 51% strikeout rate against this changeup this year. Curveball has not been good at all. He's barely thrown. He's only thrown to 32 times and he's thrown 20 balls, but that fastball changeup will send him straight to Double A with he could probably succeed at Double A with the fastball changeup. He just needs that curveball to be an average pitch, and I think he could fly through the minor leagues. Another top one hundred consideration. I might want to see him succeed in Double A. He's going to be right on the brink, and I think the curveball is a bit concerning just because I want to see three pitches. But again, another guy that's a candidate to very much make it to the eleventh hour as we finalize, you know, the, the updated list. Love it. Who do you want to hit on next? There's a few different names that we can bounce around from. Is there anyone on the top of your mind that you want to focus on?
2: Um, I mean, Jet Williams and Cole Young are probably the two that I texted you about last night. And I was like, okay, like these guys are really hitting the ball. Well, Um, you want to start with jet. Yeah. So let's go with AJ Smith, Chaver real quick. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm
1: such an ass for that. But as yeah. I was asking you, I was like, Oh, AJ Smith, uh um, yeah. So, Then we'll go to those two guys. Um, So Smith, Schaubber Braves. This is another one of those, like an organization that never has a top 100 quote unquote prospect, but then has a bunch of guys that turn into big leaguers. Smith Shaver will be a top 100 guy for us, or at least is, is a very strong consideration as well. Um, that might not be on many lists before he he debuts because he might fly up the minors pretty quickly. Twenty years old, seventh round pick out of twenty in 2021 out of high school, and you know when those guys aren't you know don't have that first round or day one pedigree, I feel like lists are slower to come around to them. He also you know is a 19 year old in low A, pitched to a 5 1 1 ERA, uh, battled some command issues, but struck out 103 in 68 and two thirds innings. The Braves gave this dude the call up to, or the bump up to double A uh, after 14 innings in high A where he didn't allow a single run, struck out 23 and walked four. Um, I've enjoyed watching A.J. Smith Shaver pitch. He is very talented. Fastball is already sitting 95 up to 97, 98. I, I think he can flirt with with triple digits. Uh, but w- what's most impressive, I think, is the pair of breaking balls. Uh, slider is just nasty, flashes plus, curveball just dives down. And, and I think that bitch flashes plus as well. Again, needs a little bit more consistent command of those two, but he's, he's shown to, to be much better with the command so far this year. Um, yeah, I want to see a few more starts, but is another big dude, 6'3", 205, has some more room to fill out. I think he could be one of those guys that sits upper 90s with a pair of breaking balls like he has. This is a name to
2: watch in the Braves system, and I think he's the best prospect the Braves have. Wow. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I haven't seen him like I, this is just a guy that spawned for them. Like mm-hmm. they do this often. Um, but what I can tell you, seventh round pick out of Colleyville heritage high school. So he was high school teammates with Bobby Witt jr. No way. Yeah. That's sick.
1: Uh, yep. Super cool. That's super cool. So I uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if he can get up to the big leagues as quickly, but he's kind of on pace to, potentially debut around his 21st birthday if he keeps going on this, on this track here. Um, But man, I I love the breaking balls. Obviously the fastball is a plus pitch. Um, So this is definitely a name to watch in double a who I I think if he shows well in that Southern league, they might want to get him out of there pretty quickly too. uh, And get him up to triple, which he would be one of the youngest pitchers at that level. Jet Williams is a name that, you know, we're hearing more and more about uh, because I think how advanced he is of a hitter. Uh, but he's kind of been a little up and down this year so far in low A. but a high school guy going straight to low A, I I think is in, in a league that is very hard to hit in is interesting. Um, and, and I think this is a guy that uh, has the goods to climb quickly for a high school bat. He's five seven, one eighty, uh, very short, quick to the ball, puts the ball in play, makes a lot of contact. I think he hits the ball a little bit harder than you'd expect from a guy from his frame, Uh from what I've seen so far, the defense is a little bit lagging behind from what I expected, but the bat-to-ball skills are way more advanced than I was expecting. So Williams is a name that we're already seeing on top 100 lists. I- I'm very torn. I want to get an in-person look at him. I'm-, I'm hoping I can go down there and see him uh, because some of the video I've seen defensively is a little spotty. But when you have a guy that's straight out of high school, straight to full season ball, and he's making contact you know, at, at an 80- 85% zone contact clip, Great approach. He's walking a ton um, and, and has some speed and sneaky pop. You can see why a lot of people have this guy as a top 100 guy.
2: Yeah. So the 430 OBP jumped out to me. The other thing that jumped out to me was the cameo in center that he's made. He, he's made three starts in center field. So if I this guy kind of telling, by the way. Yeah. So it could be, hey, he's a bad defensive shortstop, so we want to see him in center. It could also be this guy can play short and center, or this yeah. guy can play second and center. And those guys are really valuable. The ones that can play middle infield and center field. And there's always going to be a spot for him. Absolutely.
1: And I think that the fact that he's athletic enough where they want to try that, I think ultimately it's the second center kind of thing. Like that Whit Merrifield second outfield type of thing. For Uh, sure. Because I do think he can be a good defensive second baseman. I just think he might be stretched a little thin at short, but yeah, that's a great catch because if they're already putting him in center a little bit, That also is a great profile with, with the bat to ball with the speed sneaky pop plays center and can play second. Like that's a very fun, that's a fan, like a better Samad Taylor, which again, I love those types of prospects. Like those are, those are really fun players that you you can fit into the lineup that have that floor of a utility guy. Obviously he's got a long way to go to prove that floor, but he, he seems like a very high floor bat. So with that positional versatility, a lot of intrigue there as well. Um, Cole Young, is that the next name you
2: wanted to hit on? Cole Young, final
1: name I wanted to hit on. Cole Young is uh, another one of those dudes that I think is just so advanced for a high school bat. And that was the word I was getting out of the draft. I was talking to Pete Flaherty, I was talking to a few others, and it was just like, Cole Young is the most, maybe the most advanced high school bat. You know, you hear that. It's one thing to hear it, it's nothing to see it. Um, It all kind of resonated with me when I watched him, like, oh, yeah, that makes sense now. Um, Doesn't chase. 16% chase rate is is insane. Um, And remember, this guy that's playing shortstop and full season ball is a 19-year-old as well. Uh, Sneaky pop as well. 102 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity is very solid. Slashing 292, 444, 433, or 443, excuse me. More walks than strikeouts, which I know is 100% why you you flagged him, because I know we love that. Um, And yeah, I mean, this guy, it's not like he's a slap hitter. He hits the ball hard enough. Um, no home runs yet, but again, I'm not too worried about that. Could you speak to the environments out there? I know, I know Modesto, isn't that supposed to be a pretty hitter friendly environment? Very overall? Yeah. Very. So it is interesting from that perspective, but that said tons of extra base hits. Say he's got eight doubles, four triples. I think the homers will come. I'm looking at the spray charts right now and he has several hits this year. That would have been out in Seattle, which is very bizarre. Um, so it's interesting from that perspective, but, um, it, it, I'm not worried about the home runs because he, he's got an 888, 888 OPS. He's walking more than he strikes out and he just looks really good. Yep. Anything anything that, you know, you want to talk about with Young? I know you probably can't see much with the low A video being kind of limited.
2: No, I mean, nothing much. Like the more walks and strikeouts is certainly why I flagged him. You have that spot on, um, but also like his ability to hit 300 at this point. He's 19 year old. He's a 19 year old, like, you know, he he and Jet Williams are in the same spot. And like, yeah. while Jet has been good with the approach, Young has been good with everything. And that's the thing that jumps out to me. So last eight games,
1: he's only struck out three times and he's walked seven. He's been hit by three pitches. When you're getting hit by pitches the same amount of time you're striking out, you're either the most unlucky guy in the world because you're getting beaned all the time or you never strike out. And I think for him, it's, it's the latter. So that's, that's really impressive there as well. Um, I, I'm glad you flagged that name. Cause I probably would have skipped over him. And honestly, that's a guy that I feel pretty good about in terms of his case as a potential top 100 guy as well. Um, because of, of just how good he looks at his age. Uh, Another guy that I texted you about last night, and, and I know we talked about a lot in the in the Rays episode, a Slavis Yeah. Um. I don't know if he's going to crack the list because of you know how limited his ceiling is, but a 22 year old in AAA who's hitting 343, 391, 480, like 55 percent ground ball rate. It's a little concerning. Um. But he hits the ball hard on the ground. He plays third. He can play short at a pretty good level. He can play second. This dude plays all over the diamond. Um. You said I'm all the way in on the Durham Bulls. Like I, the the Durham Bulls are just so electric of a ball club. I, I think Basabe struggles with a fastball to kind of keep him out, but it's it's a name that you have to consider. Like he's hitting 343
2: and triple as a 22 year old while playing all over the diamond. Basabe's is a fun player. Yeah, no, he's a fun player, and and the thing that jumps out to me too is like you weren't expecting power from Bruhan. You, you're you getting power from Basabe, but Basabe fills a similar role to what you wanted from Vidal Brujan, right? Bounce all over the diamond, be a consistent bat at a high batting average. I think that's what a slavish Basabe can be. Um, and, and it's nice because like, hey, good things come to those who wait. They tried Bruhan; it wasn't working. They found workarounds like Taylor Walls, who apparently is outperforming his baseball card and should be negated because he's not a good player. Yeah. Um, but Aslavis Bisabe uh, is is certainly like what the Rays reward is for waiting and like not forcing Bruhan into their everyday type situation. So, do I think Aslavis Bisabe is an everyday player for the Tampa Bay Rays? No. Do I think he can quickly become a good utility man in Major League Baseball? Yes, which is what
1: probably keeps him out of the top 100 list, but makes him a you know top 10 prospect in that system for, for the sure. Rays, which is a very good system. Um, but yeah, that I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. Real quick, a couple like imminent big leaguers uh, to talk about. Obviously, you're in triple right now all the time uh, with with the Indianapolis Indians. We talked about Luis Ortiz he got called up that was cool he didn't pitch the best of his ability but i think we saw flashes of what he could be um we've talked about nolan jones and and a guy that i think should definitely be up really soon we've talked about Trey cabbage a bat that i think should be up really soon um are there any other bats off the top of your head that you think should be up like very 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 soon Or, or 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 arms that you think should be up very 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 soon
2: Matt McLean. I'll yell it from the mountaintops. Matt McLean is the guy. Um, Also, I said, I would circle back on Jared Triolo when we were talking about. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just saw Triolo make his triple a debut. And like that glove is so ridiculously ready. Haven't seen him play shortstop yet though. But I mean, this guy in one game, he made like four or five plays that the average third baseman probably isn't making like the balls rolling down the left field line or it's hitting off his glove and it's a tough luck base hit. Um, I mean, like Triolo just seems like an incredibly advanced defensive third baseman. And apparently he can play shortstop. Obviously, the, the Pirates are in a shortstop pinch right now. They just started Chris Owings there. Um, and like they're they're trying to buy time until O'Neal Cruz is back. Rodolfo Castro is really struggling at short. Triolo could be that guy, but but Matt McClain's the guy, man. I mean, what does he have left to prove? He's hitting 340 with 10 doubles and 11 pumps in 34 games. So it's funny. This kind of ties
1: in together. Um, Gavin Williams pitches against Matt McClain. Um, you know, we had Columbus against uh, Louisville and more testosterone
2: in that matchup than any oh other. My minor God, I was so here.
1: fired up at 11 AM sitting here watching that uh, at my desk. Well, like, I got the double tabs open watching it here, doing work on the side and, I wasn't doing as much work as I should have because the game was so electric. Gavin Williams was spectacular, virtually unhittable. Uh, and we'll talk about that because that's an imminent big leaguer as well. Um, and the only guy to get to him was Matt McClain on an oppo Homer at the top of the zone. Ninety nine mile an hour fastball. Are you kidding me? Like Matt McClain has zero left to prove. Not only can he play shorts up at the big league level, he can play second. He could play third. You could throw him in the outfield and I bet he'd be Okay. The bat looks so good. 11 homers. You know, that power is going to play up in great American ballpark. The approach is there. Uh, That guy has nothing left to prove. I'm with you. That's an imminent big leaguer. But then how about the counterpart in in the last game? Gavin Williams. He was fantastic. Fantastic. I, 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 that was one of the more enjoyable minor league pitching performances I've seen in a while. He goes five innings. In Five and two-thirds innings against, I, I think, one of the best, I, I don't even I think, I know, one of the best lineups in minor league baseball. Two hits, the one run on a Matt McClain homer, two walks, 10 Ks. Remember, he's got to deal with de la Cruz, who did something that like we've never seen before, basically, the other day. We'll talk about that as we wrap up. Uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand, Will Benson, who was just sent down from the big leagues. Michael Ciani, who's a, a very solid minor league bat. And he, and he took care of his, And Jason Vossler was in that lineup who you know lit the world on fire for like two weeks at the big league level. He was fantastic. Fastball was up to 101. Like what? Fastball was up to 101. He's pounding the strike zone. The slider looked gross. And dude, that curveball, the depth of his curveball was ridiculous. Um, I, I, he's got his mix. He's got his pitch mix. It's that short, sharp slider. It's that fastball at upper 90s. And then that just... Dive off the table curveball. He'll sprinkle in the change here and there. This guy looks like he's almost ready. 6'6", 230. Gavin Williams is a big leaguer. Um, and him and Tanner Bybee together at the big league level is going to be a lot of fun.
2: Three starts in double, three starts in triple. The number that jumps out is the .89 ERA. But do you know what opponents are hitting against him overall? It's got to be like below 100. 119. Yeah.
1: Like, come on. How like come on? <laughs>
2: If minor league ball is too easy for him, like, let's get him up. The guardians could use a, a shot to the butt. Like, I, I think that this could be very, very imminent. And like the offense is the one that's struggling. How do you get over a struggling offense that isn't slugging by winning one nothing games? And yeah. Gavin Williams might be along with Shane Bieber, their best opportunity at winning a one nothing game. Another one too, where it's like, do you want to waste that
1: many more bullets in the mind? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Um, I think we could see him make a couple more AAA starts at most, and it depends on the situation. Because I know the Guardians have brought up guys and sent down guys, and I haven't dove into the you know forty man situation. I don't think Gavin's on the forty man yet because he was recently drafted. So you know that's one wrinkle in it. But if you're the Guardians and you're trying to swim right now, I think you figure that out. Otherwise, I'm sure there's room to 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 kind of option somebody else if you need to.
2: So they DFA'd Pilkington to make room for Bybee. Let me give you the names on the forty-man roster among starting pitchers: Logan Allen, no; Peyton Battenfield, no; it, like you make it work, but no; Bybee, no; Bieber, no; Joey Cantillo, no; no, probably not. Savali's on the IL;
1: I'll get claimed. Yeah,
2: um. uh, Xavion Curry, Hunter Gaddis, Mackenzie's um, on the IL. Please sack. I bet you DFA please sack to make room for Gavin Williams. Someone will claim him. They could probably just yeah
1: DFA him and trade him if they wanted to.
2: Yeah, I think please sack but they,
1: that's that's all. That's a just baseball show conversation. Like, do you do that? I'd consider it because I think Gavin Williams is. You, you got to feel like at worst he's Zach please sack out of the gate. You know, at like, this point, yeah. At worst, right now when you call him up, he's going to give you Zach please sack production on the mound.
2: Yeah, uh, one so last said- name I wanted. To, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, Plesak was good for 29 starts. He had a 3-8 in 19. He had a 2-2 in 2020. Since then, 4-6-7, 4-3-1, 7-5-9.
1: If all goes to shit, I think you're getting a 4-something from Gavin Williams, which I don't think would happen. Yeah. Last guy that I think could get called up because of the aggressiveness that we've seen from this Cubs team that has brought up Morrell, brought up Mervis finally, um, Ben Brown. I I think that there is a role for him with that big league team relatively soon. And his start yesterday was just dynamite. Uh, second start in triple a he's now made two appearances in triple where he's given up one earned run combined. He's gone 10 and two thirds innings, five hits, five walks, 17 K's. Um, He just looks electric. You know, and I wanted to see him start outside of the Southern League because his fastball had really just improved this year. And it looks like just the fastball just improved. It just got better and nothing to do with the ball. He was sitting 95 to 97 and it was just jumping Pounding the strike zone, and that's the biggest thing that stood out to me, is he's pounding the strike zone really more than ever, um, which is which is huge. And I'd say that was the best start of his season thus far, was uh, his second A start. He has just been lights out all year. He has not given up more than one run in a start. I think he's given up two two earned runs the entire season so far. Um, I mean, Ben Brown is just overpowering dudes. He's 6'6", 230. I, I think he's just about ready to to help this team relatively soon. So I think he makes a couple more AAA starts and they might bring him up the second they need an arm. Um, I, I've been really impressed with the leap that this guy has made.
2: Yeah. I mean, the thing that jumps out to me that like, I don't think the Cubs really have is that physically dominating guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, I mean, hey, they got, they got Marcus Stroman. Yeah, exactly. Like Ben Brown might be the opposite of HDMH height. Don't <laughs> measure heart. Um, yeah. But like Brown is, and, and the thing is, yes, it's coming from 60 feet, six inches, and guys have different reach, and like, hey, Lince, Lincecum is a small guy with a big reach, whatever. Um, it does make a difference. Like, hey, 5'10", I, I'm not scared of a 5'10 pitcher if they're really good, but 6'6", 230 is a dominating figure, and they can play bully ball. Like, I, I love using that term. I think Ben Brown is a bully ball pitcher, and the Cubs don't have that. I think they were searching for that with Tyon. I don't think they're getting it with Tyon. I think that Ben Brown might be their best chance at bully ball starting pitching. I agree. And this is a guy that you could <clears> even <throat> use as a swing man,
1: you know, later, like a little bit later, if you want. Um, I don't, I wouldn't want to do that because I think he's really on, on a fast track here to proving himself as a starter and going deeper into starts. But uh, I'm just really excited about what we've seen from him. And uh, I think it's going to be fun to, to see him at the big league level. If, if the Cubs continue to play pretty competitive baseball, and it's going to be hard to justify not bringing him up with, with what he's able to do already. And, you know, just, just how powerful he is, like you said, and what he brings to that rotation. Anyone else you want to highlight before we wrap up? I feel like that was pretty much on most of the names I'm sure we're missing. Like Christian and and strand should get up there relatively soon as well for the, for the reds. Uh, but I think he's come down to earth a tad. Um, I don't know if there's anybody else off the top of my head that I would really highlight as like, this guy needs to be up. Like, as soon as possible, other than those guys that we just talked about. Uh, we will continue to monitor and, and let you know other names that are emerging or someone that we're like, oh, we forgot about him. Uh, but for the most part, I feel like most of the guys that you know we want to see up, we just hit on. And um even flying through some of the others that we talked about Brian Rocchio, I think he's ready. It's more about just like when the Guardians are ready for him. Jake Mangum, yeah. by the way, hitting 330 in the Marlins org can wow. play center field that at a really high level, that's a deep cut name to watch uh, Coco Montes with the Rockies has been going nuts. That's a guy, Jimmy Heron as well with the Rockies. Another one that's just going nuts in triple a, I know it's a really hitter friendly environment, but those are two guys that I think are, you know, whenever you need somebody, bring them up there, it's Winston Bernard, but 24, 25 years old. So that's a prospect, um, exactly. see what, see what they can do. Uh, but that's all I got it. Dominic Fletcher looks great with the big league club already. Um, you yep. know, over there in Arizona and uh, now I think we're about to hit the the part of the year where the competitive teams start bringing up their guys quicker and quicker
2: yeah uh only other thing for me Ellie De la Cruz on Tuesday a double at 118. Oh, thank eight, you a Homer at 1166 a Homer at 1171. No major league team since the start of 2015 when they started tracking via StatCast had three 116 plus mile an hour hits in the same game. No major league team team. The whole team. Ellie De La Cruz had three in the same game. The craziest part about that is it's not just
1: that he had three batted ball events of 116 miles per hour and above. It's that he was going back and forth. He was from the right side, 119, which he's not as good from from the right side, but he's looked a lot better this year. Then he flips around to the left side, 117. Then flips back around to the right side, 117. Not only is that never been done, just period, by a player. You add the switch hitter wrinkle to it. I don't. I I will die happily. Like I'd put my life on. There will not be a switch hitter who does that. Maybe maybe some gargantuan human has three batted ball events. One sixteen plus I think it might, that might happen again. Judge might do it at some point. There's a bunch of guys out there. James Wood could do it eventually. Who knows? I don't think there'll be a switch hitter that does that. And if it happens, I'll be 80 years old and we'll have alien baseball players basically. And Ellie yep. DeLaCruz is the closest thing we have to that right now. I'm glad you you flagged that because that was, that was the most I felt like a little kid while watching baseball. My, my last thing I'll mention is my girlfriend walks in as she is she, like, right as it's happening. And I'm like, and ironically, her name is Ellie as well. And I'm like, Ellie, you won't believe what's happening right now. Like Ellie De La Cruz just hit his third ball, 116 plus miles an hour. And he's a switch hitter. Like, he-. and she's looking at me like I've got a third eye and I never nice. do that. Normally I just keep it to myself when I tweet it and whatever. But like, I felt like a little kid because I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Reason why I'm saying that is that guy will get called up at some point. He's got to iron out the approach a little bit. He's he's heating up though. Reds fans appreciate the hell out of that guy. Baseball fans appreciate the hell out of that guy
2: because he will make you feel like a kid again when you get to watch him play. So you say he's got to iron out the approach a little bit. The approach has been, I I guess somewhat better than you were expecting. Right. I mean, he's, he's not walking much right now with the bump to triple, but I don't know. Like it doesn't look like he's too overmatched. There are no, some no, bad no, swings all. that are he's 110 fine. plus. Like
1: it, it, he, he looks good overall. It's just more about like things that'll get exploited at the big league level. Like if you're chasing 45% of sliders like that, that'll get exploited at the big league level a little bit, but the chase rates down, it's down to like 30, 32%. That's not that bad. So I'm, I'm excited to see him continue to build on that. We could see him up in in, in a couple months as well, which would be freaking awesome. So he's a freak freak of all freaks. Uh that'll do it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed. Uh if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. We probably broke this up into a few different videos, so go check out some other videos to see the whole episode. Uh if you're on audio, leave us a rating. Uh let us know how we're doing in the reviews. We'd really appreciate it. Uh and be sure to check out So Rare MLB to draft your team for free. Uh it's a lot of fun. You can win prizes like VIP merch, tickets and all of these different awesome experiences, Either, even Ethereum r- rewards. Free fantasy, draft your team there. Link is in the podcast description. As always, thank you for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you on Monday.